Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are one month away, I think, exactly, maybe not exactly, but very close to one month away from the start of the new NHL season, which means it's time to start talking about the teams in the mix and where we think people are going to land, the storylines, all that fun stuff. And uh, we're going to start things off with our division previews, and we're going to talk about a division that has a couple of not-so-good teams, a couple of intriguing teams, and a couple of Titan heavyweights that are going to dictate how good the Eastern Conference is going to be. Our Metro Division preview starts right now. them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to episode 378 of the Lace Them Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And starting off our Metro Division preview, Brett, uh, let's talk about the team that finished first last year, the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're starting, well first off I have to do so- a little bit more of uh, like, I guess housekeeping here. Uh, so yeah, we're doing our previews, we're going to cover each division um, every week until the season starts. Um, so yeah, today we're starting with the Metro, because usually we start with the Atlantic, but, uh, we do. but, um, but I, I think we just wanted to change things up, um, and, um, and give some other divisions some love, because usually we start with the Atlantic, I'm a diehard fan of the Bruins, you're a diehard fan of the Senators, so it's like... Coincidentally, they happen to play in the Atlantic. Yeah, exactly, yeah. so, so we have to be like, you know, a little bit fair to the other divisions and pay more attention to them, which is fair. Uh, so, but um, but yeah, on the other hand, we're like, all right, let's let's just see how it goes. Also, um, the last couple of weeks or the last couple of episodes, we've done rapid fires. Um, so, um, and we're just not going to have the rapid fires um, during these previews. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, and then I guess we'll just cover them eventually, um, at some point, um, because there's there was some <laughs> hockey news um, about Jake Sanderson in particular. Uh, that, but we'll we'll cover that at some point. I'm we'll, sure. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. Hold your horses. That, that yeah, I guess time. we could we could do that. There will be time, time to weigh in on this yeah, debate. Fair, fair. Um, and then uh, yeah, so so if. I, like it's just it will probably happen that like the metro will one of these metro teams will do something next week and we're gonna be like oh we can't cover this yep. yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so so like Steve was saying uh yeah we're gonna start off with Carolina because we're going with yeah they did end up winning the metro last year but we're going to go by alphabetical order um yeah they had um. They had 113 points last year, which is kind of interesting since they, um, you know, uh, Freddie Anderson, their starting goaltender, was injured for most of the year, um, and when he was healthy, he wasn't exactly great, but, um, and same with Antiranta, he missed some time as well, but they got in uh, Peter uh, Kachekov. Um, who's who's been decent? So they have that, but um, 
Yeah, so it, it, instead, they, they actually were pretty busy this offseason. Um, they added Michael Bunting, uh, Dmitry Orlov, Tony D'Angelo, Caleb Jones, uh, Brandon Lemieux, and David Kasse, I think that's right. Um, and then in terms of yep. pe- people who are going, um, Max Pacioretty, uh, Massimo Rizzo, who... It's uh, the coolest name, but uh, he, he, I don't think he played for Carolina at all. He was just a college um, recruit, basically. Um, Jake Gardner, who I think was just on LTIR for a long time. Yeah, you, yeah. You, he hadn't played hockey for the longest time. Yeah, anyway. Andre Cache, who I think also was on uh, LTIR for most of his time there. Uh, Paul Stasny, Shane Gostisbehere, Kevin DeHaan, and uh, Derek Stepan, and LeJoie. I think it's Mark LeJoie. Max LeJoie. Uh, former Sense prospect. I think he was yeah. in the Leafs system for a bit, too. Also, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, um, he... Uh, he wasn't, wasn't qualified. Yeah, in wasn't my qualified. notes, it said still waiting on a new deal. Yeah. It got lost in the shuffle. He wasn't qualified. So yeah. he can sign wherever he wants. I... I guess there's nothing stopping Carolina from bringing him back, but right now he's not in their plans. Also, he had a another double hip surgery, so uh, yeah, like how yeah. man? Yeah, he had a double. I referenced you the first time when I saw that headline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were yeah. I, for for me, I was like, oh, like yeah, he's probably done, but I didn't realize that he also had a double hip surgery in 2019 when I mentioned it to Steve. So I remember I like, that part. Yeah, it's just crazy. So, so yeah, um, uh, be a like if he if he does make it, I'm sure a team will like take a chance on him or like give him. A yeah, PTO they'll, maybe. they'll give him to an am- amateur trial. Like he's yeah. a former fourth overall pick. Look how many chances Galchenyuk got. Right, right, right. But um, it's it's more of a you know if he ever plays a significant amount of time, he's a sure runner for the Masterton. So uh, there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think in terms of, um, oh, that's the other thing, too, is that we usually in these previews, we do, like, players to watch or things like that, but we're just for time purposes, we're just going to stop doing that um, and just give our general thoughts on the team here. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it, I, I think uh, Carolina did improve a lot, or they added a lot of guys here, like especially Michael Bunting and Dmitry Orloff, um, and I guess Tony D'Angelo as well, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I think it, you know, obviously they're always going to be a strong team. It feels, though, that, like, they they just have to do something in the playoffs. Like, they could, they you know, they could have another year where they win the uh, Metro Division, and I'm just going to be like, all right, what can you do in the playoffs? Because they haven't shown anything yet, and it sounds like it's it's like you know it's just it's just like we're waiting, we're waiting until they get make that extra step. And I guess part of it last year was just that Sveshnikov was out for most of the year, um, and that was a big reason why they were not great in the playoffs. Um, but um, and they did make some improvements even without Sveshnikov, um, but. But now you're thinking like, oh well, if they can get all their guys healthy, um, at during the playoffs, then yeah, I think they have a chance. Um, but it's also just I don't know. It's just uh, I don't know. They they seem kind of like 
at a stall stalwart. I think that's a word. <laughs> um, a stalemate. A stalemate. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, so um, there are a couple of things uh, that I noticed. First of all, uh, they're bringing in some interesting guys in training camp. Uh, I've noticed Kiefer Bellows uh, on their training camp roster. I've also seen uh, the name Nick Shore and Nate Bolio as well. Mm. Um, I think yesterday when I checked Half Friendly, so we're recording this Tuesday the 12th, so obviously stuff's going to change between now and then. But I saw Bolio and... I think it was Nick Shore on the PTOs, but I didn't realize that they also had uh, Kiefer Bellows um, as well as the guy they were looking at. Uh, for those who forget Kiefer Bellows' name, he was an Islanders prospect, and there was quite a bit of hype to him. Hmm. And uh, I think last year he got claimed off waivers by Philly, and for whatever reason, his NHL career hasn't taken off. And you can be sure that you know one of these guys that the Hurricanes just take a chance on, like Stefan Nason, they're going to be late bloomers and they're just going to be productive in a hurricanes uniform. That's, that's just the way things seem to go. They also have uh, Brendan Lemieux, mm. uh, Jalen Chatfield, Caleb Jones as some of their depth guys as well. And when you look at uh, how their lines are structured uh, just on cap friendly's depth chart, um, I don't think this is the lineup that Brendan Moore is going to go with. There are going to be some um, alterations because right now the depth chart has Slavin as the third pairing left shot. I don't buy that for a second. Like, he's at least first, if not second. Mm-hmm. But um, in case you forgot, they brought in Dmitry Orlov, which is part of the reason why they have Slavin on the depth chart. Um, so the depth chart shows Orlov and Burns as the first pair. Um, Orlov on the left, Burns on the right. Uh, then you have Shea on the left, Pesci on the right as the second pairing, and then Slavin on the left, D'Angelo on the right as the third pairing. And I think the additions of Orlov and D'Angelo are going to kind of determine where this defense is headed, um, if they're tr- if they're trending in the upwards direction or downwards, because that's the bread and butter of this team is yeah. going to be defense. Like, Brent Burns and Tony D'Angelo can low-key put up 50 points. We know that. And the right scheme um, on special teams in five-on-five situations, um, it shouldn't shock anyone if they do that because they have guys like Pesci and Slavin that can offset um, the negatives of D'Angelo and Burns, you know, being aggressive and kind of freewheeling offensively. So um, I think part of the reason why the Hurricanes were so good, and every time I dealt them, they finished first in their division, and there's not much I can say or do about it, um, is because they're so defensively strong with the puck as a unit, as a collective, that they can put in Kira Kochikov for half the year and right. Antti Ranta for half the year without Anderson and still get wins and still lead the division and still win the division. Um I'm also interested where Michael Bunting falls in this equation because you have Sveshnikov coming off that injury. The left side outside of Sveshnikov and Bunting is Jordan Martinuk and Stefan Nason, both of whom have shown they have offensive upside, but nowhere near the talent level of Bunting and Sveshnikov, in my opinion. Mm. And I think if Bunting can find that next level where he can balance that edge he provides with consistent scoring and also not going into the penalty box too much. Um, 
all of a sudden you've got a Hurricanes team that can't be toyed with, even more so than than last year. You also have Seth Jarvis. Uh, it looks like he is on uh, the first line left wing. If he can play at that next level uh, and get more than 39 points in 82 games, which I definitely think he's capable of as soon as this year. Um, well, then you also have uh, a, a, a weapon of cast on the right wing that includes Marty Natchez, who is coming off a career year, Jesper Fast, who had a pretty decent playoffs, and Thibaut Teravainen, who a lot of people were regarding as this underrated top six forward a couple of years back, but whose numbers have taken a dive because of mm. his injury history. And then, of course, on top of Sebastian Ajo getting his big payday, you also have Kakniemi's potential, uh, Jordan Stahl sticking around to provide his leadership, maybe a rookie like Jack Drury or Ryan Suzuki can make an impact as well. Um, there are some question marks on this roster in terms of how good this team can be this year. But I definitely think when you compare that to the question marks facing the other teams in this division, I still think they're a lot minute. And uh, I don't think it's anything to really sweat about if you're a Hurricanes fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well... I mean, yeah, we'll we'll see. I guess you're right, though, that Michael Bunting might make an impact, or I'll be curious to see how he um, he does there in Carolina. But, yeah, we'll see. Um, we move on to the Columbus Blue Jackets, who ended up being the reverse of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and they had... That's why we're going alphabetical order. Yeah, uh, we go from one of the good teams to one of the downright bad teams. Yeah, yeah, So the Columbus Blue Jackets had 59 points last year. Um, dead last <laughs> in the division. In fact, the Flyers, who were the, the, who were second to last or seventh, um, they had 75 points. So that's a, uh, 16-point difference. Um, between Philly and Columbus, which is pretty crazy. Uh, they did end up getting drafting second, uh, third overall, um, and they ended up getting Adam Fantilli. Um, and, you know, I guess we'll see if he's better than Leo Carlson. I'm sure that they're going to be connected forever because of that draft. But, um, so he'll probably play this year, but... Um, but yeah, there was a lot of like consensus that like, oh, Anaheim's going to pick Fantilli and Columbus is going to pick Leo Carlson. And then it turns out is the opposite. But, um, but yeah, I, I'll be excited to see how Fantilli does. Um, in terms of other people that are arriving in Columbus, uh, one, um, Mike Babcock, uh, secondly, uh, Damon Severson, Ivan Provorov. Um, you have here Alex Tessier. I know. I think he just took a year off into France. I don't know if it's like confirmed that he's going to play this year, but um, but yeah, I guess you have Tessier here. In terms of people who I think are, it's presumed he'll, he'll he'll be back. Yeah, it's presumed he'll be back. I I just thought he had like some mental health thing that he just like he didn't want to play. He, he was going through something. some personal things that. that uh, was, Family member, I think, was one of them, and uh, he just needed a break. Ah, uh, okay, so I, I guess he would, he's just not there. Okay, well, I guess, yeah, we'll see. Um, but um, in terms of um, other, um, in terms of people who left, hold on, um, there was uh, Bay Ruther, 
uh, Gavin Baber, I guess is his name, uh, Lane yep. Peterson, right, yeah. uh, Michael Hutchinson, and um, you have Jay Richards, who I have no idea who that is. Uh, uh, Justin Richards. Justin I, Richards. Uh, I still don't uh, know uh, who that uh, is. A little key guy for them, but yeah, not really a top six. I still have no idea who that is. Uh, John Gillies I have here on um, the Hockey News is also left. So, um, um, yeah, in terms of the Blue Jackets, I, um, yeah, no, they, uh, you know, last year it was like, okay, so they get Johnny Gaudreau, um, you think you match him up with Line A, you're like, oh, okay, so they might be, they might be working with something. Um, and then, then Goudreau was actually really good, but then Patrick Laine has this annual injury that he always has. Um, and then Zach Wierenski goes out in the middle of October, basically. And then after that, everyone, like, then Columbus just turns into um, a wildfire or just a, <laughs> a, tra- a garbage fire, basically. Um, and... Um, they, they just have all these different injuries. Um, Boakfist uh, starts to be the guy for their defense, and then he gets injured, and then Blankenberg becomes the guy, and then he gets injured. Um, what's crazy, though, is that they drafted, last year, they drafted uh, David Yerchek and Denton Matejchuk, and um, and both those guys, they I mean, Yerchek played a little bit, but uh, he was very, very good in the minors, uh, but then um, Matejchuk, I don't think he played at all um, in the NHL, which I guess is a smart move uh, in hindsight because um, you don't want them to be accustomed to losing um, or it's not a great system there, but um, instead they go out and get Damon Severson and Ivan Provorov. I think in, in that sense, it's like, yeah, they get all these like touted high prospects but on the other hand they wanted to um you know that like they just wanted to get someone like last season they made they were realizing like oh we have Zach Wierenski and once Zach Wierenski is not there we're kind of screwed so um so yeah that's why they go out and get Damon Severson and Ivan Provorov um I'm I don't know if Provorov or Severson are going to be, like, good this year. I mean, I guess it's worth a shot, and, you know, the, I guess we're going to be talking about the uh, the Devils and the Flyers in a minute. But, um, yeah, so so we'll see if that has an effect on there. And, and um, But at the same time, it's like, okay, Wierenski's back. Um, you could see this maybe being like, they could be a low key sleeper, especially with like Babcock and, you know, say what you want about him in terms of, um, what he did in in his time in Toronto, but, um, he is a good coach. Um, so, so there's that. It's just like, you, you just wonder if like, if he learned from his past mistakes, um, and, and all that stuff. And if he can coach Johnny Gaudreau, if he can coach, Patrick Line, if he can coach all these guys, because uh, he's historically he's had bad blood with a few of these players, um, and yeah, so it'll just be a, it's just more gonna be interesting on how Babcock 
I can coach these these guys, especially like the Fintillis and the Yerchaks and the uh, Mitechaks and like all the young guys, because uh, his, like as we know, Babcock wasn't very nice to all the young players in Toronto. So um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and I think for the Columbus Blue Jackets, it's, it's interesting because we talk about their prospect system and all the guys you just mentioned. Uh, Stans Bozel, who is a teammate of Connor Bedard's with the Regina Pats, is another name uh, in that prospect pool, along with Matejchuk, along with Juracek. That's got some hype to him. Um, there's also Luca Del... Uh, a name I should be able to pronounce, but I can't today. Luca Del Belbaluz, great mm-hmm. name, by the way. Yeah. Uh, there's also Jordan Dumai, who was one of the top scorers in the queue last year. James Malatesta, who had a solid Memorial Cup run with the Quebec Ramparts in the queue. Um, they have some names that could have NHL futures. Well, what about the names like Liam Foudy, who we've been waiting a couple of years to make an NHL mark? I see yeah. on Cap Friendly's list, Cole Stillinger in the minors. He was, you know, in, in his rookie season, showing signs of promise and... Um, I would think is is a guy that's battling for an NHL job, and yet he's listed in in the prospect pool. Um, he, he should be an NHLer right now, in my opinion. So you have those guys to manage on top of the young prospects that we've been waiting for. At the same time, they've also brought in training camp guys like Nate Schnarr, who was I think in the Devils system for a little bit. Uh, Stefan Matteau, who is 29 years old, a uh, Nick Malosh, who's 26 years old, and is bounced around a couple of NHL systems. Aaron Tell, a 34-year-old journeyman goaltender, uh, is in the picture because uh, Merce Lincolns and Tarasov, while at times they were good last year, they mostly struggled, and they need goalie depth somewhere. So I guess, yeah, why not bring them in? Um, but to your point about defense, uh, when your best defenseman outside of Wierenski is Gabranson, uh, you have a problem. So they go out and get Provrov. They go out and get... Damon Severson and free agency guys that I think in the right systems can flourish, but I don't know if Columbus is necessarily in the right system. And I kind of feel like those are Babcock picks in a way, mm-hmm. um, in particular profile. You also look at um, guys like, um, for example, um, Alex Tessier and, and Fantilli that uh, haven't really played NHL games. Tessier in a while, Fantilli ever. Um, and then you have to try and uh, get the most out of Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine, like you said. Jack Roslevic, who I think can take that next step shortly. 44 points in 77 games on a bad Columbus team. Yeah, that's great. I still think he can do better. And then you also have guys like Igor Chinnikov uh, and Karim Marchenko. Um, that can elevate their game. And it's just a way to make all these pieces work in a division that's already stacked against you. Um, I would, if Columbus didn't finish last this year, that's an improvement, uh, yeah. put that way. But I think if you're able to get this team prepared, which has been, without a doubt, Badcock's biggest strength, regardless of anything else, uh, similar to Tortorella, he made sure he had his guys prepared. If he can get people to buy into his vision, uh, even to a slightly lesser extent than Torts did, he's going to get some results with this group. It's just finding that cohesion that you need to build a winner. Um, I don't care if it's in three years, and four years, and five years. It's going to take some time. 
But if Babcock can start building a winning culture and getting all these pieces to fit into that culture, I think that's the biggest test of all. Forget his winning track records um, in, in all situations. Um, it's just getting a team together. And Columbus, I think, has players, but I don't know how strong of a unit they are, especially after a challenging season like they had last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we now move on to, I guess, like, injuries will just be the, the big thing. Um, I'm also curious about how Fantilli will be used in this year. Um, because, like, right now, Boone Jenner is the first-line center. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he, he, he was another guy who just got injured a lot, too. Um, but, um, but yeah, Fantilli... Could, like I guess they have him out, or all the depth charts that I'm looking at. It looks like he's going to be the second line center, but I could see him moving up uh, yeah, eventually. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush him too much. Yeah. I think second or third line is a good starting yeah. point for him. But on the other hand, it's like oh, like you have Goudreau and Line A as your as your line mates. That would be pretty sweet too. So it's like um, it that would, could definitely yeah. help him out if if that's what they do. But. Um, Okay, so now we move on to the New Jersey Devils. Um, they uh, they were second um, in the Metro Division. Um, my computer's slow for whatever reason, but um, yeah. So they had um, oh, they had a uh, hundred and twelve points, uh, so one point below the Carolina Hurricanes, um, and a few points ahead of the Rangers, who are in third place. Um, but yeah, they added uh, Tyler Toffoli, who was kind of like an underrated move for like no one really talked about that one. Um, I'll, I'll get to Luke Hughes in a second. Uh, Cal Foot, uh, Colin Miller, Thomas Nosick, Chris Tierney, Eric Schalgren, and uh, Shane Bowers um, as well. Um, and then um, in terms of people who left, uh, Jaeger Sharangovich, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, Damon Severson, who we just talked about, Miles Wood, Ryan Graves, Riley Walsh, uh, Jonathan Bernier, and Jesper Bogfist um, are all out, gone as well. Um, a few of those guys, the Bruins. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think the, the bigger steps will be to, as, um, as I kind of just alluded to, uh, Luke Hughes will be um, an intriguing matchup. Uh, he joins his brother on his team. Um, he he was very, very good last year for Michigan. Uh, he had 48 points in 39 games. He's been very good the last two years. Um, he's kind of falling into the footsteps of, like, a Zach Wierenski because of the same school of Michigan. Also, Cal uh, uh, McCarr. But so yeah, we'll be intrigued to see how that does, how he does there. What's interesting about the Devils is that they have Dougie Hamilton, who's also very very good. Uh, Luke Hughes should be a, like I mean we'll we'll talk about our Calders in a um, you know in a few weeks, but um, but yeah, it could be that Luke Hughes is going to be like a Calder running up, or he might even win um, if if Bedard doesn't pan out like he does, uh, like we expect him to, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think there's that element there. I think it was also a reason why they were willing to trade a guy like Damon Severson 
out of New Jersey uh, because, like, as good as Severson is, or as, I guess, average as Severson is, um, getting someone, like, adding someone like Luke Hughes, who has um, extreme talent, um, that, that can be a huge boon for the New Jersey Devils. And what's crazy about them is that they're, like, Jack Hughes hasn't reached his peak yet. Uh, same with Nico Escher. He hasn't reached his peak yet. Um, and uh, Dougie Hamilton's, of course, very, very good as well. So, um, yeah, they, you know, Jesper Bratt, they add Timo Meyer, they got in a trade last year. Uh, so, yeah, they're building up to something that's that's going to be very, very deadly for the last the next couple of years, just simply because their core is so young. Um, and, you know, even if Luke Hughes doesn't make it, uh, they, they did draft uh, Simon Nemich last year, um, who could be decent. Um, so, like, uh, so yeah, it could, it could be something where it's like, oh, they, um, like, no, no surprise that the Devils, um, won, or, like, won the Stanley Cup or something. They could be, like, a sleeper team in that sense. Um, but, uh, but yeah, at the moment, it's like, oh, okay, they're, they're working with something at the moment. Um, of course, as I'm mentioning, um, in terms of the playoffs, they did kind of lose, uh, basically because of their goaltending situation. Um, however, at the same time, like what ended up happening last year or the big reason why they took a step up this year, or I guess last year was because, uh, Jack Hughes used to like, like miss a lot of games. Nico Heischer used to miss a lot of games. Same with Dougie Hamilton and a few other guys would be gone due to injury. And now like a lot of these core guys were all healthy and once they're all healthy, they can start to do well. And then the other big contributing factor was that they have Vitek Vanacek um, in the mix. Um, and yeah, he was he was pretty good and got like he was decent enough where they the Devils could at least you know uh, they could win some games and and all that stuff. It's just when it came to the playoffs, he just didn't have it. Um, and it seems like the Devils, I mean, the Devils may end up trading for Connor Hellebuck or maybe Carter Hart or something, but, um, but yeah, at the moment, Vanacek is their guy. Uh, Kier Schmidt actually had a decent season last year. I think he had like a 9-12 save percentage last year, which is pretty crazy. Or I didn't uh, 9-22 nine, nine in 18 oh. games per cap friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. GAA as well. Yeah, so that's very, very good. Um, of course, it's like small sample size and all that, but I, yeah, I was, I guess I was wrong on that there. But uh, so maybe they do start to go with with those guys because you know they helped them out in the past. But um, but of course you would want Connor Hellebuck. You would want even like a John Gibson. I feel like you would want more. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see uh, what they do. But I I assume. The Devils may eventually address the goaltending, but they they might also be like, you know what, uh, Vanacek was a big reason why they were successful last year. Maybe they keep it going. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, and I think I think when you look at the Devils right now, um, and you look at their prospects, and you look at the guys they have in the system, and where they could still upgrade, mm-hmm. like that's why I'm so high on them. It's like. 
Yeah, you have Vitek Vancek and Akira Schmidt as your goalies now. You also have, you know, a prospect like Nico Dawes in their farm system. They have Eric Shogren as goalie depth as well, who, again, small sample size, but he played NHL games for the Maple Leafs last year and, you know, at times struggled, but also at times looked pretty good and gave his team a fair chance at winning. So um, they have options at the moment. Whether or not they're the best options in the league is debatable, but... They have guys that can win NHL games. And um, you have a balanced decor that includes John Marino, who uh, we cannot praise enough. I think he's a big part of this uh, team's success and emergence, yeah. more so than we give him credit for. And you look at where the Penguins have kind of faltered since he left, and it's it's kind of clear to see why people are so high on this guy. Full season of Luke Hughes, as you mentioned, is going to be the biggest X factor on their back end. Uh, Kevin Ball, I think, is one of those names that hasn't made an NHL impact yet. He signed a two-year bargain contract to stay with New Jersey. Uh, cap it is like, like just shade over a million dollars. So um, I'm interested to kind of watch his development as well as as the year goes on. Yogan, Jonas Siegenthaler is an underrated defenseman once again. Uh, even if a guy like Colin Miller doesn't work out, uh, you have, you know, Brennan Smith as a Swiss Army knife. Like you said, you have uh, Cal Foot in the picture, Simon Nemich in the picture as mm. well uh, that you could potentially turn to. Uh, in terms of forward depth, you have Curtis Lazar, you have Chris Tierney. Um, you have Nolan Foot and Tice Thompson uh, in the prospect uh, system. Graham Clark put up some good numbers in the AHL. Maybe he does something. Alex Holtz, again. Uh, a top 10 talent that we've been kind of waiting to take that next step. And it would probably frustrate New Jersey fans at this point, except they're too busy winning. So that's become an afterthought now. And when you look at their four lines, uh, you have Holt potentially on the third line as the right wing option. Above him, you have Dawson Mercer and Tyler Toffoli, which, I mean, what a luxury. You have Brad and Hughes on the first line. You have Meyer and Fisher on the second line. You have Palat and Her- Eric Hall as your as your third line pairings, uh, and then you also have a fourth line that includes Nate Bastion, Mike McLeod, and Thomas Nosek. Like that's solid top to bottom. Um, that's that's solid production right there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to see why the Devils are considered front runners again when you consider that they have a bit of cap space to make a big trade if they need to trade prospects, if they need to trade draft picks. They have NHL pieces that other teams might want. Uh, again, in a Connor Hellebuck trade, they still have everything they could potentially offer to a team, and they could make that trade in their sleep if they wanted to. Yeah. And when you look at where this team fits in in April, um, I definitely think they can be a better team than what they are right now, statistically speaking and from a roster standpoint. And I think there's still another gear that some of their stars can get to that we haven't seen yet. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not long-term Lindy Ruff can get the kind of results that he did last year because it, yeah. it's it's easy to forget, but New Jersey was oh so close to winning the Metro last year. There were a couple of points off, and if not for, I think it was a seven-game slide after their massive winning streak, if not for that, they'd probably win the Metro. If they just win a couple of those games during that losing streak, they're Metro Division champions we're talking about right now. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm really high on the doubles this year. I hope they do well. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be fun to watch them in the playoffs again because uh, last year, uh, while they did have 
the highs of coming back in that Rangers series. Um, they really fell flat in the Carolina series. They have room to grow, and I think they will continue to grow. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I, I guess you reminded me when you were mentioning Lindy Ruff that um, they, the, I mean, I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make, but it was Andrew Burnett, who was uh, the guy who coached right. the, the Florida Panthers to the President's Trophy two years ago. Um, and, uh, he was, you know, so it, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I feel like, um, and now Andrew Burnett is now the coach for the Nashville Predators. Um, so, um, and he's clearly a good coach cause this is like the second time we'll see, but it's hard to really know cause he was just an assistant coach. So, um, how much of that was, uh, based off of the assistant coach, or how much of that was based off of Lindy Ruff? Because Lindy Ruff was the coach for a, a, a short while there uh, before Andrew Burnett got there. So Lindy Ruff almost lost his job. If you uh, forget that he, uh, like the fans were saying, like, oh, oh they're Lindy yeah, like, yeah, they, uh, during the in the Prudential Center, too. yeah. So, um, so yeah, a lot of them wanted them gone, and then eventually they started winning and all that. I'm also intrigued, too, because I feel like a big reason why, the, as I just alluded to, a, a big reason why the Devils um, were successful last year was, yeah, of course, Luke, uh, Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer and Dougie Hamilton are phenomenal players, but they get injured a lot. Um, so I am, like, you know, even though they were all relatively healthy, I think Jack Hughes missed a couple of games, but... Nico and uh, Dougie uh, were were mostly healthy, or they had been the most healthy for uh, their entire season. And I don't want this to happen. I just know that they're kind of um, all three of those guys have a higher injury risk, um, and that's just something that you have to like look out for. And and that's why you add guys like Timo Meyer and Jesper Brad, and or you have Jesper Brad and Tyler Toffoli and. Uh, now you have Luke Hughes. Um, so it's like if, but at the same time, like if he sure is out for an extended period of time or Jack Hughes is out for ex an extended period of time, Devils are kind of screwed. Um, so um, so that's, that's the other thing you have to look out for. It's like, it's, it's like yeah, it, they kind of lucked out in the injury standpoint last year, but I, I just have to put a wet blanket on the New Jersey Devils there. Just uh, like injuries could happen here. Um, and it could I mean, be another they discussion. could happen with any team, yeah. as we all know, but especially the Devils, yeah. right? And that is the one way where I can see this season quickly going yeah. sideways is if Dougie Hamilton gets hurt and then Jack yeah. Hughes gets hurt and then another key member yeah. gets hurt. Like, so yeah. that, like uh, just a constant domino of of injuries. I don't know how the Devils would be yeah. able to overcome that. Uh, the one thing I will say they're not screwed on is cap because yeah. they have Fair. a lot of affordable contracts and with the cap going up, they're going to be able to ice a very good roster for many, many years. Yeah, no, and uh, I don't want to like, you know, yeah, obviously this can happen to any team, like <laughs> any injury to their star players or going to have an impact on your, on your team like we just talked about the Columbus Blue Jackets but at the same time I'm like especially for the Devils because they have a hit like all their top players have a history of getting injured for long periods of time it's like okay they, it could happen um, okay so now we go to the New York Islanders 
Um, we went from, you know, I feel like the New York Islanders are just like a boring team. Like, no one really talks about them. They're kind of like... They're the Minnesota you know, Wild of the Eastern Conference. Like, they're good, but yeah. nobody talks about them because they're just kind of an afterthought. But the thing with the the Wild is at least they have like a pre-soft... Uh, like they have I'm talking about the wild before they got Capri off. Oh well, yeah, but I don't I don't even think of the wild before Capri off. It's like they're an exciting team. Um yeah, no, I I think it has more to do with like the fact that they're in this market in New York and everyone pays attention to the Rangers, just like they pay attention to the Yankees instead of the Mets, they pay attention to the uh the Giants instead of the Jets. Um, it's it's just the way that it goes, where there's always one team in New York that everyone pays attention to. Yeah, um, unless you win four Stanley Cups in a row, then everyone talks about you. Uh, yeah, but even then, <laughs> yeah, that was in the 80s. Um, uh, yeah, so everyone talks about you when you're doing bad. Yeah, well, actually, no, that that is like, though, because like, the Islanders won four Stanley Cups straight in the 80s. And yet, yep. the Rangers are still the most popular team, even though they the last time they won was in 94. So, yeah. Anyways. I'm curious. Who are people talking about more when the Islanders were good? The Islanders for being good or the Rangers for being cursed? Like, I'm actually curious to live in that era of 80s hockey yeah, in maybe. New York where you had Tale of Two Cities where the perceived little brother just turned into this bodybuilder right. that couldn't be taken down, and then you have the has-beens that were just like, why can't this be us, man? Right, right, right. What, what did we do to deserve this? Well, there was that always, <laughs> like... interesting dynamic between those two I, teams. I just heard stories of, like, fans chanting, like, 1940, because that was the last time yeah. the Rangers had won a Stanley Cup, and then... There uh, was a time where the Rangers couldn't win at uh, the Nassau Coliseum for, yeah. like, five years. Yeah, yep. And then the Rangers, uh, the Ranger fans would uh, be taunting uh, Potvin, or they would just go Potvin, Potvin, even when the Islander, even when Potvin was no longer on the Islanders, they would still say Potvin sucks, which is kind of funny. Um, anyways, uh, the Islanders, uh, they finished below the Rangers, speaking of. Uh, they had 93 points. They just, uh, oh, they did make the playoffs, but uh, that was mostly yeah. just because Ilya Sorokin was, like, kind of basically put them into the playoffs there. Um, yeah, he was God. Yeah, he was God. Um, I had thought that Bo Horvat would make a difference in there, but, it, I mean, yeah, he did have 70 points in 79 games, so that's pretty good, but, um, but I thought he would make more of an impact, but... Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, it is interesting because I'm now looking at Cap Friendly, and they have Bo Horvat as the front uh, top line center. Then they have Matthew Barzal as their right winger, um, which I, I find interesting. And, se- and they, then they have Brock Nelson as the second line center. I guess that makes sense because Brock Nelson is pretty good or underrated. I feel like all these guys I are underrated. I didn't realize Brock Nelson had that good of a year yeah, last yeah. year. Like, 36 goals, 75 points. I feel like that's career highs in both. Yeah, yeah, full season. Um, yeah, I, I feel like all these guys are, yeah, it's going back to what we were just saying. It's like, they're, like, you know, Anders Lee is kind of quietly underrated too. 
Um, I know he had 50 points, but 28 goals, it's like, oh, I thought he was struggling. I had him on one of my teams, and I didn't realize he had 28 goals. Probably because he scored 40-plus one year, and everyone just thought that was the standard we could expect. Right, right, right. Yeah, that might be it. But, um, yeah, so, so yeah, it's, um, they have an interesting team. In terms of guys that they added, maybe that's also why, because it's like, uh, Lou Lamarillo never does anything, feels like. Um, and uh, so they added um, uh, Julian Gauthier and Carlson Coolmans. Um, yeah, like if you heard my sigh, I'm going to sigh again. Um, and then they, uh, uh, in terms of the guys who left, Josh Bailey, I don't think he signed anywhere, uh, Corey Schneider. Um, Andre Andreoff. I also have here that you don't have Zach Parise um, and Parker Witherspoon and Cole Bardot um, all left as well. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about Parise. Yeah, he hasn't yeah. signed with any other team, to be fair. No, no. Yeah, no, that's fair, too. But, um, but you know who didn't leave? Uh, uh, Scott Mayfield and Pierre Engvall because... Yeah. Uh, they got signed to those contracts that we were going, yep. what the hell, for the entire offseason. Well, the, the bigger one of that I was going, like, WTF, was uh, Simon Semyon Varlamov, because uh, he got, like, uh, he signed, to, he's 35 years old, and he signed, like, a five-year deal. <laughs> so, I think it was uh, four. I don't uh, think it four. was five, but yeah, it, was, yeah. it was longer than two years, and I get on the term why yeah. people would be like, why, but... I get why they kept him around. Like, he yeah. and Sorokin are a good fan. I guess it's more just the term. It, it feels They also gave him a full no trade for the first two years. Yeah, that part I don't get. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a decent... Um, he's a decent um, backup. Uh, he did have 913 save percentage in 23 games, but it's like... You, you don't need to like lock up your backup goaltender for a long time. It, that part doesn't make sense. Um, but I, I guess at the same time, I heard that he was like buddies with Sororkin, so maybe that like he's just there for like mentorship to Sororkin, and clearly that's worked. So so maybe that's why they decided to lock him up long term because he has those intangibles that you don't necessarily see on the ice or even if he doesn't play a ton but speaking of Sorokin they also paid him although his contract yeah. doesn't kick in until after this year but it's an mm. eight year contract and I just realized that Sorokin is currently uh, he just turned 28 years old so he'll be 29 when it starts meaning that at the end of the deal he'll be 37 Wow. So hopefully the back end of that contract uh, doesn't age like old cheese. But um, yeah. I mean, you're, you you take a goalie of Sorokin's caliber any day of the week. To be fair. Yeah, I, I guess it. No, it's it does check out. I think it makes sense because yeah, it, like Sorokin was as we just mentioned. He was like a big reason why they made it to the playoffs. He might have been the only reason there. Um, it's just more of um, so. So yeah, he is worth that much, but yeah, you never know with goalies. Um, so that that is the but yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, in terms of um, I, I think um, in terms of the Islanders, yeah, they um, I don't know they're they're kind of like as we were just saying, like they're kind of like a bled team or mid team as the kids say. 
Um, it's like, yeah, they could make the playoffs, but I could also see a scenario where they don't make the playoffs. And that has more to do with just how strong this division is. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they're, like, it wouldn't surprise me if they made the playoffs at the same time. I think they're in the wild card hunt at the very least. Um, Whether or not they can be at the level of the Rangers um, and, uh, you know, teams like Carolina, New Jersey, as we looked at the standings last year, remains to be seen. I mean, we talked about Bo Horvat, 38 goals, 70 points. Like, he came in halfway through the year, probably um, thought – Probably as pundits we and fans, we thought he could probably put up better numbers than what he did with the Islanders. But over a full eight two game campaign, like thirty eight goals and seventy points, that's that that puts him as one of the top scorers. You have uh, Brock Nelson, who I just mentioned, uh, would seem like he had a career year. Anders Lee with fifty points, Barzell with fifty one in just fifty eight games. But then after that, your highest score is Pajot with thirteen goals and forty points, and you don't really have a player who's pushing 40. Uh, yeah, 30 points from Ingvall, who joined halfway through the year. Uh, that's funny. Uh, Kyle Palmieri with 33 and 55. Um, I mean, great for, you know, a bottom six, but if he's playing in the top six, that's not ideal. Uh, you're expecting Noah Dobson to carry the defense uh, from an offensive standpoint, and, uh, you know, Pelican Pola can, uh, you know, be stalwarts like they've always have been, but big thing that was going to sink or swim the Islanders was, um, you know, goals for, and uh, I just don't know how much longer the um, they can kind of offset that because they're one of the best teams in the league in terms of goals against with the D pairings that they have and with Sorokin. And you're also relying on the young players to take the next step forward. And you look at their prospect pool and, you know, you have some names that could be something, but just in terms of immediate NHL substance, I don't really see anything that pops out to me either. Yeah. Um, so I think for the most part, you're you're looking at a team that, similar to last year, strong defense from a team perspective and belief in each other and hard work. I think you have those three ingredients you maybe have a playoff team there, but in terms of just pure talent, you know, it's it's among the level of the lower tier of the Metro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll end up seeing what what happens, but yeah, it's... I don't know if they're lower tier. I don't think that's fair, because I don't think they're, like, going to be as bad as... Like, I wouldn't... Like, I would be shocked if they ended up being the eighth seed in this division, but... Um, no, no shot there. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, let's move on. I'm to... just saying, in terms of like pure talent, like in terms of goal scoring. Oh, probably bottom three in, in the yeah. that department. And yeah, I guess. That's when you fair. rely on team defense to offset that, it you know, hey, if it works, great. But you can't really go far, especially in the playoffs, where like at some point, okay, you have to score. Right. And, you know, in that hurricane series where it becomes a defensive battle, the team with the most firepower eventually won, and it wasn't the Islanders. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, let's move on to the Rangers. They got, like, even though they're in the same city, they had they were quite busy this, this offseason. Um, but, yeah, we'll see if that actually works out for them or not. 
Uh, they added, uh, well, first off, they were, uh, they did make the playoffs. Um, they had 107 points, which uh, it puts them third in the Metro. Um, so there's that. Um, and then they had, so they added Jonathan Quick. They added Blake Wheeler. They added Eric Gustafson, Nick Benino, Tyler Pitlick, Riley Nash. I appreciate you putting R-I-L dot Nash. Like, I had to infer... Sometimes they're like, you just put their last names, and I have to, like, figure out what their first name is. Uh, yeah, shout out shout out to Rick Riley Nash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Connor, Connor Mackey, I think is his name. Um, Mac yep. Hollowell. Um, and Alex Belizzle, I think is right. Belzil, he was uh, the bottom six forward on the Habs yeah, last yeah. year. Um, and then on the way out, uh, Patrick Kane, who still hasn't signed anywhere, uh, but very unlikely that he's going to re-sign here in New York. Uh, Tarasenko uh, leaves Grube. I don't think I've even heard of that guy. Yeah, si- signing rights went to Edmonton. It was uh, it was in the middle of the playoffs. It was one of those, oh yeah, that happened deals. But I don't even know who that guy is. Um, Yaroslav Halak, uh, Nikola Mikola. Nikola. <laughs> yep. Nikola. No, it's just a fun name to. Oh, Nico Mikola. It's still hard yeah. to say. Uh, Tyler Mott. <laughs> That's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Ryan Carpenter and uh, I think it's Tim Gettinger. Yep. Also. Um, so, yeah, those guys are gone. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week, or. Uh, yeah, it was last week, uh, with. Um, let Alexi Lafreniere, who they ended up getting, um, and we'll see, like, you know, he signs a bridge deal, and, um, but the thing with, that we didn't really kind of, we touched on, but we never really did, was a big reason why he hasn't been as good as we expected him to be, was because, uh, Artemi Panarin is on the left wing, he's really good, um, uh, Chris Kreider, He's on the left wing. He's really good. Um, then you have Zbigniewicz. He's really good. He's a center. Uh, Vincent Trocheck. He had, he had a decent year last year as well. Um, and um, and then on the right side, they did have Patrick Kane and Vlad Tarasenko, um, but they add like Blake Wheeler. They I mean, well, right now I see on Cap Friendly they have Capo Caco as the first line on the right wing, um, and then, but they you know, but because of um, Lafreniere is on the left wing, and you have Panarin and Kreider who still are capable players, um, especially Panarin who had ninety two points in eighty two games. Um, it's like oh okay, so like it's like a good luxury to have where you have this like high pedig- draft pedigree guy on your third line but uh, but at the same time it's like it's kind of a waste of a first overall pick um, if you're not going to put them in your top six or on your power play uh, like he, you know he's had a decent season in 39 points in 81 games um, I also don't want to make this preview just on Alexis Lafreniere I do want to pay attention to other guys. I noticed here while I'm looking at the cap friendly page, it's uh, it's yeah. funny how they have. Let's see here: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven U.S. 
four players, um, which is pretty crazy. And especially their their uh, top two D pairing had um, our all Americans and Ryan Lindgren, Adam Fox, Andre Miller, and Jacob Truba. Um, so um, that's pretty funny. Um, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you add Jonathan Quick and you add um, Blake Wheeler onto your roster. But, like, they already had, like, Chris Kreider, Vincent Trocek, Adam Fox, of course. Um, Heartbeat of America. you got to have Americans representing them. Andre and, yeah, Jacob. This is the New York Canadians. Yeah, well, now they should, they have to, like, wear those, like, uh, Statue of Liberty jerseys, I feel like. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's full, full on America. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, which, but what's, what's even funnier is, is, like, their best two players, I mean, I guess Adam Fox could be up there too, but their best two players are Igor Shosturkin and Artemi Panarin, who are both Russian. And at the moment, they're kind of like the rival to America. So, um, yeah, it's kind of funny how they have a lot there, of Americans. There is a bit of irony there. Yeah, yeah, where it's like, oh, you also have some Russians that you love as well. Um, but yeah, in you know, like, let's not get into politics here, but. Um, yeah, I, I think this Rangers team is, like, obviously, you know, Shurkin is um, is one of the best, if not the best, goaltender in the league. Um, he ha- he did have a slow start last year, but um, but he managed to, you know, obviously I don't think anyone is expecting him to have that same, like, you know, put up those same stats last uh, as he had two years ago, but... You know, still like a nine sixteen save percentage and a two point four eight GAA, um, and thirty seven wins and thirteen losses last year. Um, yeah, okay, that's not bad. Um, good as he was last year, but it's it's decent. Um, and and maybe we'll have like you know maybe Jonathan Quick will take more games, but I'll be curious just to see if he still has anything left because uh, Jonathan Quick last year had a sub-900 save percentage in 41 games, so um, there is also potential that that could not go well here in New York. Uh, same with Blake Wheeler. Um, you, he used to be very, very good, but uh, now he just had 55 points in 72 games. But it's hard to know if it was just because Winnipeg was such a mess or if, um, or if he's just lost it. Um, so, so we'll, we'll just see what, what happens there with, with Blake Wheeler. Um, but yeah, on a whole, I think this Rangers team is, is going to be pretty good. Um, but yeah, they, they do have a couple of question marks. And I am just wondering if Lafreniere and Kako can get into that extra gear. Even like I could say that to K. Andre Miller. I wonder if he can go even further and get even better. I think uh, for for sure Keandre Miller can. Yeah. Um, I think Keel showed signs of that um, yeah, last year, one. which is good. Um, Lafreniere and Kako are very interesting because the left side and the right side of the top six are just as interesting as uh, this year as they were last year in terms of how things are going to shake out, especially now that you have a brand-new coach in the picture. That's the other thing. Gerard Gallant's no longer coaching. Pierre Laviolette is calling the shots. Yeah. And I'm interested to see who his guys are in the top six. And I think if you're Kako, if you're Lafreniere, I think if, 
I think for Laviolette, you need to give them as much top six ice time as you can in the preseason and see what they do with it. Like, you're, you're not really going to know what you have with them in your top six unless you actually give them chances yeah. to do that. And what better time than the preseason where jobs are on the line and they're pushing to make an impact and you can just roll the dice with some of your coaching decisions and not really feel the repercussions in the standings. Like that's that's it. Like preseason in hockey is like reproduction for a music album. Yep. Like there's no pressure. You just experiment. You see what works and what doesn't, and you go on. And for the Rangers here in a very tough Metro division, in order to take that next step, you need Kako on his A game. You need Lafreniere on his A game. Um, because those are the guys that, in my opinion, people were considering to be, you know, the futures of that youth movement. And when they got those veteran players, it was just like, oh, imagine how good this team's going to be. We have all these young guys that are starting to pop off, and these veterans are just adding to that. And I think Blake Wheeler, for the most part, is is a guy that maybe at best looks like a second line center, or, or looks like a second line winger part the year. But I think once the year goes. Son, he's probably going to be more so of a third-line veteran presence, which is fine. But to me, Wheeler is not the player that he once was. And Chris Kreider, I think, in due time, is not going to be the guy that gets 36 goals a year like he did last year and can put up points on the power play. I think Kreider is still a useful player, but it's time to see what Lafreniere and Kaiko have in your lineup. And I think the future of the Rangers is largely going to be determined by how Lafreniere is utilized and how Kako is utilized. If um, if Laviolette can get the best out of those guys as soon as this year, um, in all situations, um, I think the Rangers are going to be better off for that. Um, because th there have been underlying stats from Lafreniere where I see, I think he's starting to learn the all-around aspect of team play, and the offense is going to come once he has those, you know, reps mm. uh, from a two-way standpoint if he learns to be a two-way player um the offense is going to follow um it, similar to what ken hitchcock was doing with mike medano way back in the day he he, he knew mike medano was a good offensive player but he needed to get that two-way greatness out of him from the defensive side of the puck as well as the offensive side of the puck and it's just finding that two-way game where it helps your team defensively, and that also complements your offensive uh, part of the game. And sometimes it takes a couple of years to really master that. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it took a bit of time with Steve Eiserman and Scotty Bowman to make that happen. But once you saw how good Eiserman could be, like in 2002, he played on the Olympics on one good knee. He won Olympic gold and then uh, was out for like 10 games, then came back with the Red Wings in the 02 playoffs, again on one good knee. Uh, helped them win the Stanley Cup, and he was a big reason for both uh, Canada and Detroit going the distance and winning it all that year. So it's just as as painful as the process might be. I think the Rangers are eventually going to get to where they are. Uh, they've had to show a lot of patience with those young studs, and I think this this year is the time for them to really pop off and make an impact. And if they can't. Um, at this point, I don't know what the Rangers necessarily do if they cut bait and get some other youthful talent or they keep on waiting it out and hope something happens. Yeah. So uh, I think similar to last year, those two guys are going to determine a lot of how good the Rangers can be. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Flyers are the next team here. Um, they 
they are they were in seventh place um, in the Metro with 75 points um, there uh, they did add uh, Cal Peterson uh, Sean Walker Helga Granz Victor Mete Mark Stahl um, Garrett Hathaway, uh, Ryan Poling, and Mazamo Rizzo. Um, in terms of guys who left, uh, JVR, Ivan Provorov, Kevin Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, David Cassay, uh, Kevin Knotten, Justin Braun, Kiefer Bellows, um, and Jay O'Brien um, as well. Although a couple of those guys I don't think even play for the Flyers. Um, or like, uh, but the real addition, though, to the Philadelphia Flyers this year um, is that it looks like Sean Couturier might be back. It looks like Cam Atkinson might be back. Um, and um, and it, I guess a lot of that is... It, it's funny, so I'm preparing for my, um, my uh, fantasy draft here, and I was just looking at... It's like a keeper draft, and I was just looking at guys that could be available. We count face-off wins in one of our statistics and I was just trying to figure out like and a lot of these centers that like were gone already in this draft and I was just like oh Sean like I was just looking at the ADP and I see that Sean Couturier is there and I was like oh right he won the Selkie a few years ago he was also really really good a few years ago and that was like a big reason why he got that like eight-year contract um and then he got injured um, uh, and then missed the whole season. <clears throat> so, um, and then I just started to look and see, like, oh, is Sean... Like, I had assumed that Sean Couturier is never going to play again. But then I was just looking here and it says, like, oh, it looks like he's, like, going to be on the ice. Or it looks like he's, he's practicing now. Um, and same with, like, Cam Atkinson. So... I don't expect Sean Couturier to be the Selkie winner that we expected him to be uh, two years ago, but now I'm like, well, I drafted Couturier, but also now I'm like, wait a second, like, the Flyers could be better than we think they are going to be just because if you add Cam Atkinson, if you add Sean Couturier, I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe this is something. Of course, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be like a like that tough to deal with. But on the other hand, I could see a, a scenario where the Flyers are better than expected simply because Couturier, if Couturier plays, like the he's instantly their best player, even if he's like not a hundred percent. So, so I, I I think the Flyers could be decent. Um, I guess the thing that could end up being their downfall, I mean, there's a lot of things that could be their downfall, of course, but um, <laughs> Carter Hart, um, he uh, removed his, like, I guess he had in his bio on Instagram, uh, Philadelphia Flyers, he removed that on his Instagram. Denny Briere said that he talked to Carter Hart, and he says, like, yeah, he can't wait for training camp, um, and, and it was nothing... You know, you didn't really explain why he did that, but uh, both Briere and Carter Harder is like saying like, all right, or just at least publicly they're saying like, yeah, I just did that, um, and there's nothing to see here. But who knows? Um, it sounds like he might be traded, but 
it's just would be kind of funny if it's like, oh, you get Cal Peterson, who um, barely even like played well in the AHL, um, and then uh, um, and you you just have Carter Hart there. Um, so I don't know um, what they necessarily do, um, but um, but yeah, so that's just something to watch out for because it, it could happen where Carter Hart um, is no longer on the Philadelphia Flyers before the season opener, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think this team will be will make the playoffs, of course, but because um, it looks like they're rebuilding and they're preparing for the future with especially since they drafted Matt Faye Mitchkoff, who's probably going to be available in three years. Um, but um, but yeah, it's uh, will um, you know I, I, I think it, it could be a team where they could they might be better than we expect them to be. And of course, like, who knows with torts, I feel like sometimes, some years he's great, some years he's not good, um, but, uh, but maybe this is the year where he's, he's okay. I think um, that's a pretty good assumption of the Flyers in a nutshell. And just in terms of the culture, um, in terms of the distractions, I feel like there are a lot of those off-ice distractions, more so the Ivan Provorov uh, pride jersey. Uh, situation yeah. that uh, started that started the trend of NHL players uh, not wearing the pride jerseys in warmups. And while it it's his decision, it put the franchise in a bad spot. And I think for the most part, when you look at you know the players that left, Tony D'Angelo, Ivan Provorov in particular, they're trying to put together an, an all-in mindset. Mm. And no player is bigger than the team. And not to say the guys who left, you know, were a part of like a culture problem or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. But mm. I, I'm I'm more so leaning towards like the tight knit locker rooms. I think it's it's not as tight knit as it once was. And I think you know, especially a team that's trying to struggle to make a name for themselves right now, that's going through quite the identity crisis that. That um, it, it all goes back to the culture. Like, if you have a solid foundation, you can win relatively quickly. But if that foundation is cracking or it's broken entirely, um, it takes a couple of years to repair that. And when you see guys like Carter Hart and Travis Sandheim and Travis Konechny uh, not modeling the new uniforms, um, even though they're on the team still, that's a telling sign that hey, more changes might be coming. And yeah. it could turn into those work team kind of seasons that you saw in Ottawa that no one wants to speak of. Um, you also look at, um, uh, to, to look at uh, some, to, some other examples of uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and clear signs that they're rebuilding. Uh, why, would you, why would you get a guy like Cal Pearson and re-sign Samuel Harrison when you have Carter Hart? Yes. Yeah. Is my question. Uh, you also look at a guy like, uh, for example, James Van Reenstijk, who you probably could have gotten, like, at worst, a fourth-round pick maybe at the deadline for him, and instead you get nothing, mm. and you ran out of time to make a trade. Uh, you settle pennies on the dollar just to get rid of Kevin Hayes' contract. Same with Tony D'Angelo's. In fact, with Tony D'Angelo's, you just buy him out. Yeah. <laughs> and the Hurricanes almost get him for 
almost get them for less than what the actual pot payout is. Like, mm. it, it's 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 those kinds of scenarios where you just think, you know, if you're a team that thought about winning like right now, you wouldn't just settle and just say, okay, fine, we'll get rid of them. We'll take a six and be on yeah. your way. Like, you would want best possible return so you could, you know, keep the team competitive yeah. and. The Flyers team that was in place when Sean Couturier last played NHL hockey is nowhere near the Flyers team that exists currently. And it's not going to be the same Flyers team as soon as next year because more changes are coming, in my opinion. And they're going to be a hardworking team. They're going to be a team that preaches positive culture and inclusivity. They're going to be a team that, like they did in a lot of games, tries to outwork you. But they don't have the pure talent and they don't have the pieces to be even a 500 hockey team. If, if they're if they're a 500 hockey team, like NHL 500, I classify that as a win. Yeah. Uh, but just with all of the turnover, the turnover that I think is probably going to happen over the coming months, um, I, I, I think you're going to see the Flyers go through a long, painful couple of years cycle. But when you have guys like Matt Faye Mitchkov uh, coming down the pipeline in a couple of years, Things are going to start to get better, and you're going to see the Flyers back in the playoffs competing every year. But they're not going to be competing in the playoffs with this group anymore. They're they're done. Their ceiling's crumbled. It's it's over. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, I think a lot of it is just that I don't know if Torts is the right coach. Uh, but long term, he's not. Yeah. For today, he is. But you mentioned this because what ha- I guess what happened with Kevin Hayes is like he he did have a pretty good season and then uh, Torts kind of just healthy scratches him for no reason. He de- he doesn't provide why he did that. Uh, he's just erratic at points. So and that can just annoy players. He's kind of like Babcock in that way. Um, and you know it, it it works when you're winning, but when you're losing, um, it's not good <laughs> and so so I think that's that's the other factor there too um but yeah no I you know I kind of got excited because I I feel like a big reason why the Flyers went out like a few years ago and went out and got all these guys was because they were assuming that Couturier was going to be healthy they assumed that Ryan Ellis was going to be healthy and they assumed that Cam Atkinson was going to be healthy um, and if you add those guys, then it's like, okay, so maybe the Flyers could be a little bit better than the, what they were. Um, but, and so, so then you're just like, oh, okay, so maybe Sean Couturier could be decent. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Also, shout out Cam York. Um, he's pretty much the only defenseman now, a good defenseman on the team now. I guess Travis Sanheim, he might be something, but... Um, I do want to shout out Cam York because I think he he could. Giving up on Rasmus already, are we? <laughs> uh, on who? Bristol Linen, and you've given up on him already. Yeah, uh, like our, I didn't know that was a thing. He was only a minus four last year. That's not bad. Oh, uh, that's a joke. I see. Um, yeah, it's um, he's not great, but yeah, we'll see. Um, not as great as he was. But yeah. One, also, I will shout out quickly. Uh, the pro, uh, the young guys that stepped up last year, Owen yeah. Tippett, low keys, twenty seven goals, yeah. forty nine points. That's pretty good. You got forty three points from Scott Lawton. Uh, Morgan Frost had nineteen goals, forty six yeah. points. So like, uh, if you're questioning whether or not John Tortorella can 
get the young guys to step up, well, there are three names right there that had good seasons under Tortorella as yep. young players. Um, so, again, it's not that Tortorella is is bad with you know losing teams and rebuilding teams. Mm. It's just that his coaching style is more suited for guy, for teams on the cusp of winning, of going to that next level. Yep. And his style just doesn't vibe well in certain situations. And I would say, long term, this will be one of them. Yeah. It, well, it was funny because last year I was thinking like, uh, Joel Farabee would uh, thrive under this type of um, system, and mm-hmm. it turns out that he hasn't. <laughs> and there were reports I think that he was also injured, if yeah, I recall correctly, he was in the offseason article. Yeah. He was battling through an injury, and now that he's gotten a yeah. solid offseason of work, he's pretty optimistic heading into this year. So yeah, hopefully, he'll see back. the old Joel Farabee again. Yeah, he could bounce back. That's possible. Um, all right, so now we go to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, they uh, just missed the playoffs, famously, uh, ninety-one points. There was this uh, the point where they um, they lost to the Chicago Blackhawks um, in um, in uh, the uh, uh, like towards one of the it was, last. It seasons. was their second to last. It was yeah. their second to last game. And they, if they had won, they probably would have made the playoffs. And if they had lost, they would yeah. have. Uh, they did lose, and it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but um, lost in regulation, yeah. by the way, is is the part that gets lost in that. They didn't even get a point in that loss. Yeah, and um, and what's crazy about that is just like because of the lottery, like that was probably the most important game for two reasons. One, that it kicked the Penguins out of the playoffs. Um, and change that whole scenario. And also the Blackhawks might not have won the lottery if they had lost that game. So um, so it's just a weird, like, what-if situation for, like, a like a, a game that should have been against, like, a good team versus a bad team. But, yeah, they just couldn't pull it through. Uh, they end up getting uh, Kyle Dubas into the mix, and he's now the GM and the president um, of the Penguins, and he has full reign. Uh, we talked about this uh, at length last last week or a couple weeks ago about the uh, trade for Eric Carlson, um, and I I agree that I mean not to go back to that, but I I think that's going to be a huge help for them in in Pittsburgh, um, and I think it pushes them into the playoffs. But uh, but yeah, you're you're not as, you're more skeptical about it than I am. Uh, Riley Smith, they also add. They add Lars Eller, Nolachari, Ryan Graves, Alexton Delkovich, um, Ryan Pitlick. I think that's Ryan Pitlick. Um, uh, Ryan Pitlick. Uh, yeah. Ryan Pitlick. Uh, Matt Nieto and something Johnson. Um, you're not Andreas Johnson. Andreas Johnson. Oh, wow. He was involved in the Timo Meyer trade as a friend. And he was, uh, he used to be on the Maple Leafs, too. Um, yeah, Kyle Dubas, again, yeah, see, Dubas the former there. Maple Leaf connection right yeah, there. Exactly. Uh, same with the Radim Zohorna, they also brought in. Yep, yep. Maple Leaf as well. Uh, in terms of guys who left, uh, Jeff Petrie, Michael Granlund, uh, Casey DeSmith, Jan Ruta, Nathan Legere, Jason Zucker, uh, Dumoulin, Brian Dumoulin, Nick Benino, Dmitry Kulikov, and Ryan Poiling all are no longer in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, I mean, t- 
I I feel like, uh, yeah, the, this team just made the playoffs, or almost made the playoffs, um, and uh, even still, like, yeah, you, add, um, you have Sidney Crosby on your team, you have Evgeny Malkin on your team, who are both pretty good. They both had a point per, over a point um, season. Uh, Ricard Raquel also had a pretty good season as well. 60 points in 82 games. That's .73 points per game. Um, and then you add, like, Riley Smith. Um, and then, of course, Eric Carlson as well. So it's like, oh, okay, this this could be an improved team um, we t- without going because we went with the we went on the Penguins at length uh, a few weeks ago. So I don't want to say it again, but I will say it again. I guess uh, Tristan Jari, I guess, is really what um, will be the make or break of this. If Trist- if you get decent goaltending with Tristan Jari. I think it could be a good team, um, but if if he remains this um, like uh, like an average goaltender or even like a below average goaltender, and he's been known to like not be as like just be a streaky goaltender um, at times, um, then then I think the the Penguins are in trouble. But that's really what it all depends on, and of course, the, as I mentioned with the Devils, the Penguins. Also, do have a history of injuries as well, not just with uh, Chris Letang and Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, because they always miss a couple of games. Although I guess Malkin played 82, Crosby played 82 um, last year, so so maybe there is something to that. But now you add Eric Carlson, who famously also had injury history as well. So it's very possible that um, any of those four key guys could get injured um, at an extended period of time, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this Penguins team will actually be, will be, like, I, I feel like this team is actually going to be one of the most exciting teams to, to watch because I could see this team, like, be, like, make the playoffs and tender um, in the league, but I could also see this team, like, just falling apart and, um, and like Kyle Dubas is in shambles, basically, because uh, this this is not working out. But I, you know, I, I think they're a wild card team. I'm not sure if they're better than the Rangers, Devils, or Hurricanes, but they're they're definitely better. They're much improved than what they were uh, last year. Yeah, I will say that on paper they're definitely better. But that being said, how many times have we seen Malkin and Crosby play 82 games the same year, yep. produce at an elite level, Jay Kensel adding in 36 goals and 73 points of his own, and this yep. team still can't make the playoffs, even with also 60 points from Ricard Raquel, uh, Brian Rust with 46 points in 81 games, I guess that was a bit of a die from what it was last uh, in previous years but still yeah like you should have enough offense to get you to a playoff spot and it was team defense and goaltending that let them down and Tristan Jury being hurt for an extended period of time didn't help with that and I think Casey DeSmith at times was good but I don't think he was good enough and so you're right when you say Tristan Jerry's going to be the X-Factor Nadelovich needs to be as well 
Like, both goalies need to be on their game, or else this team isn't going to be, you know, a top three team in the Metro, plain and simple. They'll be lucky if they're a wildcard team. Uh, Getting Riley Smith in the picture helps. 56 points in 78 games last year. I like that. Um, Matt Nieto, um, you bring him in along with Noel Achari, Lars Eller as well. You have guys like Rem Pitlick, Vinny Hinestrosa that you brought in. Colin White, you brought in on a PTO. Uh, same with Austin Wagner as well. Uh, on the back end, Libor Hayek and Martin uh, and Mark Pissick were mm-hmm. also brought in on PTOs to add to a group that you just brought in Ryan Graves there. You already have Marcus Pearson on the back end. Eric Carlson, need I say more? Chris Letang, if, again, if healthy, can be a pretty good performer. And in 64 games last year, still put up 41 points. That's you know pretty good production for a 36-year-old blue liner. And if Pierre Oliver Joseph can take that next step as well, hey, that's even better for Pittsburgh too. On paper, they are a better team than last year. But I just don't know if this group can really gel together. And I think the bottom six forwards, they need to contribute and also uh, contribute defensively from an all-around standpoint. Uh, in order for Pittsburgh to move the needle. Because like I said, goals scored wasn't the problem. It was keeping the puck, the biscuit, out of their out of their own basket. Mm-hmm. And that really cost them. And um, I think Dubas tried to improve upon that. Um, he's hoping that the short-term bargains on short-term uh, offerings that he brought in are going to really move the needle. Andreas Janssen uh, being one of them. He's got NHL experience. Uh, so does Radim Zahorna. Um, Sam Poulin, it, he played three games last year, only got a point. So um, maybe he gets a bigger role. Uh, Valtteri Pustinen has some hype to him. Maybe you see him uh, getting some NHL ice time. You also have Jordan Frashka uh, in the mix as well. Ty Smith in the minor leagues. He was hyped as a solid prospect for the Devils. He played nine NHL games last year, got four points. So maybe he has a big training camp. He steps up. He also brought in... Will Butcher, who's yes. uh, had some NHL experience. Owen Pickering uh, is another one of their hype prospects. Uh, Magnus Helberg is 32 years old. He played 18 NHL games last year, and he's bounced around a little bit. So um, there's also uh, him as well. Um, Braden Yeager is 18 years old. I don't know how yeah, good he playing. can be entering this season. He's probably going to go back to... Uh, the minor leagues like Cooper Foster of the Ottawa 67s well, but there are some there are some guys in the prospect pool that could be um, pretty significant contributors. But it's all about this year. Kyle hmm. Dubas is all about winning right now, not a couple of years down the road. That's not why he didn't trade Eric Carlson and a bun- uh, trade for Eric Carlson and give away a bunch of NHL assets to get Eric Carlson. Yeah. Kyle Dubas wants to win today, and he wants to win a cup today and when i look at the pittsburgh penguins i struggle to predict what their ceiling is going to be and i think it would be impressive if they finished uh one time during eric carlson's four years in pittsburgh if one time they finished in the top three in in the metro just because of the high quality that's in the metro right now and uh, just, just rely, you're, you're relying on injuries and production 
injuries to be minimal, production to be high, in order for this team to uh, get a leg up above everyone else. And just over a course of a full 82 games, that's that's a tough ask, especially when you consider in the Atlantic Division, while I think um, it's there are going to be less heavyweights there, yeah. there are going to be a bunch of teams vying for the same spot. So you're going to be going up against everyone's best stuff every single night almost and every game is going to be a playoff game for the penguins essentially this year outside of you know the clear bottom feeder opponents that they're going to get Hmm. and i just don't know if they have the team over the full 82 games to really make a mark um for hockey fans if you like good high quality all-star talent you're hoping the penguins do well but just from a realistic standpoint I have a lot of doubts. I I hope uh, if it doesn't uh, burn my Ottawa Senators, um, <laughs> I I wouldn't mind to be proven wrong. But I I, I just I, I don't have as much faith in the Penguins as I previously did. Yeah, I I guess as I alluded to, I think it all comes down to the goaltending and if Tristan Jari can be the guy. Um, and yeah, we'll see. But I, I think it's just hard to for me to truly count out <laughs> the Penguins when they have Sidney Crosby, when they have Evgeny Malkin, when they have Eric Carlson, when they have even like Riley Smith and Ricard Raquel and um, Chris Letang and like uh, and Jake Gensel if he ever comes back. It's like oh right, they have a pretty good team like on paper. Um, but yeah, it's mostly just like I'm I. You might have a point if it's Tristan Jari. I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe, maybe he's not the guy. But, um, but yeah, I, I do think that they're a, a pretty good team and they'll be a much improved. Um, I, I think they're going to be a wild card team at the very least. Um, okay. In, in terms, in terms of just a sports analogy. Um, I'm going to quickly go to the Major League Baseball. San Diego Padres. You look yeah. at a roster stacked up the wazoo, loaded with talent, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They have a plus 64 run differential. Plus 64. That should be a playoff team. Yeah. 79 and 66 is their expected win-loss record. That's what their record should be. You know what their actual record is? 68 and 77. Yeah. They're not even just hovering around the final wild card spot. There are a couple of teams outside the playoffs that are higher yeah. than them. Their win percentage is 469, not even 500. And with all of that talent, you would think, oh, they're a playoff team. They're the only team that's not in a playoff spot in the National League Mm -hmm. with a positive run differential. And it's not just by, like, plus 10. It's plus 64. And they're still nine games below 500. Yeah. Again, teams that look good on paper don't always win on in the win column. True, true, but, like, I mean, I thought you were actually going to, if you're going to go with a baseball analogy, I thought you were going to go with the Angels, but, um... And they're they're too easy. They're too easy to poke fun at, so I wasn't going to. (laughs) But but it makes the most sense, because they have the two best players in this generation, in Sidney Crosby and Eric Carlson, and, uh, Yeah. yeah. But... Um, it's hard to, I, I don't think you can really make an equivalency with baseball and hockey, really, but um, whatever. Um, I, I guess that's why they, they played the season. I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. You well, think they play they're the not. Games. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly. Yes. 
One of us will be right, one of us will be wrong. Um, yeah, right. We'll be wrong on a couple of those, but yeah. I'm, I'm pretty certain I'm not going to be wrong about the Penguins. They, okay. they, they'll, they might, they'll be hovering around a playoff spot, but I'll be very impressed if they're top three. Yeah, I... I I won't say top th- they're guaranteed a, a top three, and we'll get into that in a second, but I do think they're going to make the wild card, um, or at least one of the wild cards. Um, all right, so Washington we have here is our last team. They um, they were they had 80 points. Uh, that puts them in six in the Metro last year. Uh, they um, they got a uh, Spencer Carberry as their coach now, um, which I didn't realize. And he was he had a he was in uh, the UMass he was the UMass coach for a little bit, I believe. Um, is that right? Or I think I, I think I have to get the right person there. Um, I, know, I know he was with the Maple Leafs. Oh, oh I, I think I'm thinking of someone else then. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Um, that's right. Um, and um, oh, so he he teams up with Rasmus Sandin again. Um, that's fun. Um, in terms of additions, they have Max Pacioretty, uh, Joel Edmondson, Chase Prisky, who I feel like he was on Washington before, uh, Matthew Phillips, and uh, Limoges. Who <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Limoges. Uh, Limoges. Okay, who is that guy? <laughs> Uh, pretty good AHL forward, but I mean, you look at the Caps' offense. You know, they could use bargain forwards, right? With all the money they've allocated. I'm, I'm looking at like the. I'm looking at their cap friendly. I'm looking at their um, at the hockey news uh, window that I have here. I've never heard of this guy, um, and I don't even see him listed on here. Um, hey, if he's top ten in the rookie voting. Don't say right. ignore him. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. <laughs> but if he's out of the league, uh, don't say we... Um, I've never even heard of that guy. Um, and then um, going, we have uh, Connor Brown, uh, Carl Haglin, Connor Sherry, Craig Smith, who I forgot was on Washington uh, for yeah. a time, uh, Matt Irwin, Zach Fucale, um, Cody Clark, I think, Garrett Pilon yeah. and uh, I think Mike Fischini. Mike Mike Vachoni. 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 Yeah. So uh, yeah, the Capitals. I mean, we've been talking about this a lot. It's, it's pretty much they they just wanted like you know the Penguins are trying to get Crosby another cup. Uh, the Capitals are doing the opposite of that, and they're just they don't care about winning a cup. They just want Alex Ovechkin to get that Wayne Gretzky goal record, and that's all they care about. They don't even care about winning. Um, and, yeah. Uh, and well, why else would you about. explain the Tom Wilson extension? Exactly. So, um, and, like, they... St- I mean, that, that is kind of what they always do. Like, Evgeny Kuznetsov has a long-term deal. Uh, Backstrom has a long-term deal, or he did have a long-term deal. Um... You know, Holpe back in the day had a long-term deal. They just give the long-term deals to a lot of their guys um, or their their core players. Uh, Carlson's another one, um, but um, but yeah. So so there's that. Um, yeah, there's not much else to really say on this team. Um, I I do what I find interesting here 
is that Cap Friendly says that Dylan Strom is the second line center, um, but the hockey team is the first line center. Um, so I'm not sure why there's a switch there, so I am curious to see that. I do see that Dylan Strom had 65 points in 81 games. That's 80 points per game, whereas Kuznetsov had 55 points in 81 games. Um, that's .68 points per game. Um, so we'll see. Um, and on that same note, I am curious to see if we see any of Hendrix LaPierre or uh, Connor McMichael, um, especially with this new coach um, who I, I believe is Carver. He, he coached the, the Marlies, right? Um, so yeah, he, so he was an assistant coach uh, okay. for the he was an assistant coach for the um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, uh, but um, his connection makes even more sense because at um, at one point he was the head coach for the AHL Hershey Bears, who, if uh, you recall, are the long term, long time NHL AHL affiliate of the Washington Capitals. So he's been in the Caps system before. Got it. Um, he's also coached uh, with the Providence Bruins. Uh, the UMass connection, I don't know here. Yeah, so I think I got mixed up with uh, somebody else. So. But uh, yeah, needless to say, he's he's a guy that players you know at least in the minor. Yeah. Okay. So so if he's he has coached a lot of the Hershey Bears, so then I guess there is something there. So maybe he'll give more time to guys like Connor McMichael and. Hendricks Lapierre, but it does feel like the Capitals don't do that. Like they don't give time to their prospects at all. Um, but like, so at the same time, it's like, oh, if they're they're just like preparing for like that. That's all they care about is Ovech getting Ovechkin that the most goals he can ever get. Um, then might as well see what Connor McMichael and Hendricks Lapierre have um, in their system and. Yeah, we'll see. What is also interesting, too, is they had a decent draft. They added, like, Andrew Cristal, who was, like, supposed to go in the first round, but he ended up going in, like, the third round. Um, I think it was the third round. Maybe it was the second round. But um, but either way, like, that was, like, like, a lot of the scouts that I was, or a lot of the people that know things were saying, like, oh, yeah, that was... Second round, 40th overall. Second round, 40th overall was where Andrew Crystal was taking this past draft. And then they drafted a Ryan Leonard as well in the top 10. Um, And he's going to be pretty good, but, of course, he's he's not ready yet. He's going to BC. Um, So, so yeah, they they do have a decent list of prospects in their system. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's just also, like... Um, yeah, maybe this is a sign of a new era of, like, a rebuild for them, um, even though, yeah, even though it's like, yeah, Ovechkin's still good, um, we'll see what Kuznetsov has, and Dylan Strom, he's 26 with 65 point uh, with a point eight points per game, that's not bad. Yeah, well, what's interesting about Dylan Strom is, if you look at his stats, they're clearly better than Kuznetsov's last yeah. year. Yeah, like because Nets have only That's scored twelve goals. Uh, Dylan Strome had twenty three, which is eleven more than Kuznetsov. Kuznetsov uh, only had one more assist than Strome did. Uh, he had forty three. Strome had forty two, and a ten point uh, difference favors Strome sixty five points to four, uh, to just Kuznetsov's fifty five. And the other thing to remember is that Kuznetsov 
was uh, averaging 18.03 in all situations, and he was a minus 26. I know, plus minus over eight stats, whatever. Dylan Strome averaged 16.41. It was a minus four. Yeah. So maybe you could say, oh, he was insulated better than Kuznetsov was, and yeah, even so. But you would think with those numbers, you would give Strome at least a look. But if, again, Kuznetsov has better chemistry with Ovechkin, who you want to get the goal-scoring record, then maybe that explains why Kuznetsov's on the top line and Strom is not. Um, so, uh, I, at the same time, though, if Kuznetsov's just playing downright bad and Strom is clearly the better guy, that needs to change. Especially if you're trying to act like you're still trying to do something in a Metro division that's very unforgiving. Yeah. Uh, uh, you also have guys like Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom and Anthony Mantha who have been battling injuries in recent years, and you wonder how much good hockey you're going to have left uh, out of them. Uh, Tom Wilson played in 33 games. His stats are pretty good in those 33 games, but he still only played 33 games. You also, uh, comparing to Backstrom, he had an injury where some people, thought, uh, some people thought that there's a chance he may never play another NHL game. He ended up playing 39 games and got 21 points, which is pretty good. But um, he was also a minus 25, which uh, that's that's just a bit better than Kuznetsov and not by much. Um, and their best player, Alex Ovechkin, had a negative 16. So in terms of team defense, I think that's clearly where the problem not, lies, not just offense. Because people forget with about you know, a month, month and a half left, the Capitals were still fighting for something. They were in that wildcard chase. And then the bottom fell out in like the final month and a half and they were just around NHL 500 and not really in the conversation by the season's final weeks. So the talent level is there. Darcy Kemper's numbers, all things considered, I'd say they were, uh, they were great. I wouldn't say phenomenal, but they were great when you consider the team defense he was playing in front of. Um, and the... I don't necessarily know if that team defense is going to get better under Carberry, but the one guy I'm really focused on is Sandine. Mm -hmm. Because I really think, uh, with the sample size that he had with the Capitals, I really think he can be a guy that pops off for like 40 to 50 points this year, maybe more than that, uh, because he finally gets a chance to maybe get like top power play minutes on the back end. Uh, in all situations, maybe he's getting like 21 minutes in ice time instead of the 19-19 that he got last year between the Leafs and the Capitals. Um, I I think this is the start of him taking that next step, and I hope the Caps are able to give him that long look that he's been desperately searching for because um, I, I definitely think he has the ability to excel and be that next big name defenseman that um, can put up points for the Capitals. And they need that with, yep. you know, a guy like John Carlson at the age of 33 starting to wind down, only playing 40 games last year and getting 29 points. And the the ailment that kept him out was pretty serious, obviously. True. But, um, you know, as, as the wear and tear starts to show itself, um, you know, you're going to need to replace a guy like Carlson moving forward and who better than a guy 10 years younger than him and a lot of hockey uh, left to play? Yeah, I mean, at the same time, Carlson is pretty good. Um, like, he, had, he is. You know, he's 33. Yeah, he is 33. I, I don't know. I, I still think he's he's going to be decent. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I don't know if necessarily Sandine will be able to be sustainable. I know he had, like, there was a streak where he was... 
scoring a lot, but um, but yeah, I, I think um, I think that a lot of that had to do with the fact that John Carlson wasn't on the ice. Uh, he was injured at that point. So I think I think once Carlson gets on the ice, then I'm like, all right, maybe Sandine takes a secondary role there. But um, but yeah, I, I do think that Sandine should get a look. Having said all that, but yeah, we'll see. Um, and I was thinking of Greg Carville, who's the UMass hockey coach. Yes. Not, not Spencer Carberry. Um, yeah. He, uh, was, he was a part of uh, the Sens uh, coaching staff once upon a time. As yeah, well. maybe. Uh, yeah, he coached uh, Kale McCarr, um, and he also, yeah. the UMass also won the championship a few years ago, too. So uh, that's why I, he was relevant he, in my he, uh, he, head. He worked uh, uh, for the Sens for six seasons, so oh, wow. longer than I remember of, you know. Wow, yeah. wow. Um, okay, uh, so we're just going to do our top three rankings um, at the end, and then we'll do, we'll do like a wild card prediction, I think, after we, we cover the conference. Um, we'll do, uh, we'll do, do an extra wild card predictions as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, okay. Uh, so in terms of my top three in this division, I think, yeah, I think I'll have the Devils first, uh, I think the Rangers second, um, I don't know if I want to annoy you or not by picking the Penguins, but I, I think I have to pick the Carolina Hurricanes. I, I still have some question marks on Carolina, but... Um, I also have questions on Pittsburgh, um, but yeah, I'll go with Carolina as the third team. Every time I have gone against the Hurricanes, uh, they have proved me wrong. So I will not get fooled again, and they will win the Metro. But maybe this again. is the time when Carolina isn't going to make us because you're doing this. You know what? That could also happen. Yeah. But, uh, just with the track record of yeah. their coaching, their stability, yep. the fact that, you know, adding a couple of pieces, for the most part, it doesn't change their game plan yep. or their structure as a unit I'm kidding, uh, to a course. drastic degree. I think there have been more changes with the Rangers, more changes with the Penguins, um, yep. the Islanders, Capitals. No, no, that's all fair. And, and, and also, now that you don't have... Andrew Burnett in the Devils coaching staff, I wonder how much of that is going to impact their performance too. For the most part, in terms of just like ownership, in terms of front office, in terms of coaching, everything for Carolina, for the most part, is intact. And not much has really changed on the roster. They obviously have added some pieces here and there, but for the most part, you're looking at relatively the same roster you had last year. So I just think in terms of consistency, in terms of messaging, how that's relayed to the players, um, I think when I look at the standings, I think there's going to be some growing pains with the Devils, with the Rangers at parts, uh, but the Hurricanes are just going to keep on trucking. And I think the lead that they gain during that period of time is going to be enough to outlast the Devils and the Rangers and Mm -hmm. the Penguins in that pursuit. So they're going to win the Metro. you're right. Uh, that being said, I probably just cursed. Yeah, uh, I, I'm joking, seed. of course. But yeah. Second seed, I'm going to go with the Devils, uh, just because talents, and they could also still trade for Hellebuck or a big number one. It doesn't have to be Hellebuck, but Hellebuck is the guy I'm manifesting in my head right now. 
Um, so I'd probably call the Bulls as the second best team. And the third best team, I'm going to go with the Rangers as much as it looks so tantalizing to the Penguins in that spot. Um, I think the Rangers have enough veteran experience in goal debatable, but they can always fix that at the deadline if they have to. Um, I think in terms of the leadership, the coaching, the young stars waiting to take that next step, I think they have a good blend of everything where they can outlast Pittsburgh in a deep playoff race. So I'll go uh, exactly how it played out last year. Hurricanes at one, Bulls at two, Rangers at three. Yeah, okay. You're you're going with the safe bet. But I feel like that never actually happens yeah. where it's like the same yeah. uh, year to year. But yeah, I guess that's why we do predictions here. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it for us here at uh, Lace Them Up. You can follow us on Twitter where you can find um, you can find uh, latest episodes and all that. Um, we'll do the Atlantic next week. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, you can also, yeah, I guess our Facebook's on there as well, maybe. Um, <laughs> and you can also um, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. That's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellis with a little chat in episode 379 of the Lace My Podcast.